Okay, hi everybody. My name is Renu Gulati. Um, I live in Rishikesh at the moment, which is considered to be the international yoga capital of the of the world, of the universe. And um, I um, I was born in the UK. My background is law. I was a lawyer, but I came to India to train in Ayurvedic yoga, and. Um, and now I run a um, women's sustainability project where we empower women and we protect Mother Earth. And I also have a yoga background and 20 years of, uh, well, approximately 18 to 20 years of um, Ayurveda background. And um, today we're going to talk about the subject of yoga. It's a very vast subject. Um, very, you know, uh, numerous texts have been written about yoga in the in the days of old. And um, we just want to discuss the topic of what is authentic yoga. And um, we today I have a lovely guest. Her name is Neha Sharma. She's a yoga therapist. And thank you very much, Neha, for coming on board um, to share with us. And um, Neha, would you like to introduce yourself a little more? Would you like to? All right. Thank you uh, for the over uh, here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me here. Welcome. Sorry, I think maybe the internet. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm very, very happy to be here. Uh, my, I'm Neha, like you mentioned. I'm a yoga therapist and a yoga entrepreneur. Uh, so the story goes a little further than that. I did study uh, journalism and mass communication, but since childhood, I was practicing yoga with my father. And uh, I just stumbled upon being a yoga teacher one day. I just wanted to pursue this as my career. So here I am. I've done uh, an MA in yoga. I've done a course in yoga therapy. I've done yoga teacher training yoga alliance and i've uh, practiced with many many teachers so i think i have over five thousand hours of yoga teaching experience by now oh gosh that's a good calculation <laughs> I, I i trained in yoga back in 2003 and um taught yoga for 10 years and now i just teach yoga philosophy um and so um, you, you were trained in yoga from a very early age by your father. Yes, uh, my father we used to go to Dhirendra Brahmachari's uh, yoga ashram in Delhi, which is now Muraji Desai Institute of uh, Yoga Sciences. Okay. But back then it was an ashram. There were cute little huts and uh, brahmacharis in white dhotis and uh, angavastrams. Uh, practicing you, yoga so sorry i don't, don't mean to interrupt you but because we have an international audience with us would you you've explained some of the terms in sanskrit so would you just um every time you say a hindi or a sanskrit word could you say the english version as well <laughs> sure uh, let me recall what i said so my father used to uh, go to a school uh, by the teacher his name was dhirendra brahmachari um, now the school is called Indian Institute, uh, Muraji Desai Institute of Yoga Sciences, but back then it was an ashram An ashram is a place where, you know, uh, teachers, yoga teachers and aesthetics live. Um, so now it's a proper yoga institute, but back then it was a place where, um, swamis and brahmacharis 
celibate monks uh, used to practice yoga uh, philosophies and yoga practices. So that that's where I started. Uh, that's where I started learning yoga. And my father, out of all other children, took me to yoga schools because, uh, as a teenager, I had an extended tailbone. I couldn't sit properly. I would sit lopsided either on my right or, or the left because if I would sit straight, I would feel my tailbone touching the chair or the surface that I was sitting on. And uh, we went to multiple doctors and it came down to surgery and they said, no, we can't do surgery on a 12-year-old girl. We have to find something else. And India is a magical land and there is a remedy for everything. So we thought, if nothing, let's take her to yoga. <coughs> so before school, I started uh, going to yoga ashram, 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning with my dad. I would get up and do yoga. And back then, I didn't understand what was happening. I thought it was just, you know, something that you do, something that everyone does in the morning because that's how it was introduced to me. It's so normal. You know, everyone does it. You should also do it. And, you know, they didn't tell me that you're not well, that your spine is not well, um, that you have to do yoga. and you know, they just said, everyone does it. I do it. Your mom does it. So you should also do it. So it felt natural. And I grew up thinking that everyone in the school goes to a yoga school before coming to the regular school. And I realized much later that, no, it was only me. And How uh, old were you when you first started yoga? I was 12. You were 12. But um, traditionally, um, I mean, I didn't go to school in India, but what I've heard is that yoga was part of the national curriculum. Was it not? It is now part of the national curriculum. Um, but back then, no. It was not uh, like, uh, like something you did every day in school. Hmm. So we would have maybe one teacher coming for a few weeks and he would teach students few asanas and that's all now in uh, in in the last four five years yoga is part of every uh, classroom which is a good thing right okay and so how is it that your father i know i'm interviewing you and not your father but i'm curious how is it that your father came into yoga at that time when it wasn't part of the national curriculum, was he like an ascetic or a truth seeker or um, what was it that drew him to yoga? Very interesting question. And I never really uh, thought of how I'm going to put it in a frame, but my father did not complete his formal education. He was always this uh, black sheep of the family, someone who would do random uh, and radical things. So he gave up on his formal education very early in life. And uh, my grandmother would tell me stories that your father would leave the city and would call from Bombay two days later that he's reached there. We are from Delhi and he would reach Bombay. I'm talking in 1960s and 70s, he would do this. And, uh, and I think I never asked him how he stumbled upon yoga, but. Uh, of what I know that he, when he was in his early 20s, he was a proper, proper yogi. He would practice everything. So that's, that's the bit I know. Maybe he was a truth seeker since a very early age. Right. And um, 
you know, now, uh, as you know, we, we met in Rishikesh, which, as you know, is the yoga capital. Well, it's supposedly the yoga capital of India, um, of, the, of the world, in fact. And um, there are, as I understand it, more than 300 yoga schools um, in, in Rishikesh. There is yoga online, um, you know, on practically every platform available on, you know, on internet. And um, I wanted to ask you, because you have such a, a strong background in yoga, um, what do you think um, about, you know, these multiple, you know, yoga, yoga schools everywhere? What is real? What is not? Is it all real? I mean, it's real. It exists. But I mean, do you think they're all um, teaching what yoga intended to teach? Ah, it's a very big question. I know. I, answer that I know. In I, couldn't, parts. I couldn't and stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and feel free to interrupt me if I'm going off track because this is such a big question, I can't go off track. Okay. So to begin, I think, it's my opinion, I think yoga and Ayurveda is a gift from India to the rest of the world. Yeah. And as yoga teachers and Ayurveda practitioners, it is our moral duty, ethical duty, to take this knowledge and practice to anyone and everyone who can benefit from it. That being said, in the world of globalization and growth, yoga has also become commercialized. I mean, it baffles me when I see people doing beer yoga, dog yoga, and sheep yoga, and trying fancy things. No offense, it might be working for someone. But the practice of yoga, like you know Mahatma Gandhi said, says, um, said, truth is as old as mountains. You don't change that. So I'm not a judge or authority, but the, the core principle of yoga is not to modify it and to change it to suit your style or business. I mean, yes, even uh, Krishnamacharya, when he had a senior citizens coming to him, uh, obese Americans coming to him for yoga. Krishnamacharya, uh, he's a South Indian, very famous, renowned uh, yogi. Um, and he's the teacher of BKS Iyengar and Sivananda as well. Maybe, I think, yeah. And he modified. And if a teacher modifies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Desi Prachar is the disciple of uh, BKS? BKS Iyengar is the disciple of Krishnamacharya. Of oh, Krishnamacharya, okay. Yeah, I come from a, a different, I come from the Shivananda lineage and they, yeah. um, they don't disclose that. I mean, it's sort of criticism, but um, that's the training that I've done, Shivananda, Hatha Yoga. Um, and, and I also have a master, sorry to intervene here, but this just popped up into my mind. But I have a yoga master from Kerala, um, who's also an Ayurveda um, Acharya, and um, he is a former gymnast as well, and um, he's also an ancient Indian martial artist. Um, and he always says to me, 
everyone is propagating yoga, but who is preserving um, yoga? Everyone is propagating Ayurveda. Who is preserving Ayurveda? So you're absolutely right, and that teacher's so right. I don't know if you remember when we were at that cafe in Rishikesh Tatwa, and mm. that and a Ayurveda doctor came in, and he was like. I will give you an age reversal. You know, that's my field. And I was like, I'm never going to go to this Ayurveda doctor. If you remember, don't disclose his name. (laughs) I don't remember anyway. You know, that's not Ayurveda. You don't market yourself saying that I'm going to give you an age reversal. And when you walk in Rishikesh, you see those banners uh, uh, claiming that they will give you a wrinkle-free skin and they will give you an age reverse. I mean, is that what you want from a practice so vast as Ayurveda? A practice that can give you not just a long healthy life, but a quality, yeah. meaningful, yeah. purposeful life. Yeah. So coming back to your vast question, Yes, it's a good thing that yoga is uh, being marketed, that everyone is practicing and that it is reaching a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, coming down to how do you know uh, if you're in the in contact of a good yoga teacher? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about it and I know you can't read my uh, notes on the magnet sticker at the back it's written right there I, I was thinking of writing a blog on how to identify a good Ayurveda doctor and how to identify a good yoga teacher okay so with for Ayurveda I had made a, a, a research and I came to a conclusion that if you're in touch with an Ayurveda doctor who is constantly prescribing you this herb and that herb and that Ayurveda doctor is constantly monetizing on selling uh, medicine that's your red alert. You don't go to that kind of an Ayurveda doctor. A good Ayurveda doctor will give you um, lifestyle changes. He'll give you a list of food items that you should not eat. He'll give you a list of uh, food items that should be part of your diet for morning and afternoon and evening. Yeah. So I, that was my uh, sort of a conclusion. Maybe you can add something here. If I'm yeah, I was, I was going to, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, lifestyle and diet is, um, if you look at the Ayurveda Shastra, the Ayurveda ancient texts, um, they first, the first chapters are about um, how diet and lifestyle, you know, and so, you know, it's about prevention rather than cure. Okay, but there does come a point in some people's lives um, where by they become um, so sick that they actually need medicines and some uh, people become so chronically sick that they need medicines for a long time and some people become irreversibly sick that they need palliative care um, and so they need the medicines for a lifetime but you know um, my, the yoga um, lineage that I come from um, if we come across a sort of palliative care situation we will continue to prescribe, but it's not necessary. It, it, it is not from my lineage a monetization. It is a necessary part. And Ayurveda talks about Ayurveda doesn't stay say we're a miracle. You know we can do anything. It recognizes that there are different stages of disease, and when you come to a certain point, you know you can just try and make the person comfortable through diet, as you said, through lifestyle, 
as well as through you know herbs and treatments so but i agree with you there is a lot of monetization going on there is a lot of like unnecessary you know pharmaceutical practice going on and it's quite interesting also that um you know ayurveda is a sustainable science as is yoga you know these new words are cropping up now sustainability and organic and you know what have you and it's very interesting how a lot of ayurveda medicines a bit off the topic here are packed in plastic you know which is carcinogenic you know um, absolutely so we are on the same track when you yeah. know that's happening your monetize it's all about you eat this medicine and get healthy and yeah. they claim that this is an ayurvedic medicine mm. that's a red sign that's a complete no no right there mm. Mm. and so, uh, so back to yoga um which is you know the primary focus that i'd like to take us on um yeah. what would you say about as we would as the vast question if i we, will go back to the same vast question and yeah. like in ayurveda if somebody is saying eat this and you're going to get better and that's an ayurveda claim you buy this for 8 months 10 months one year you'll get better in a year's time that's a red alert same way in yoga mm. i have i'm not going to name any organization of course mm. but i have been to some really big fancy yoga ashrams mm. and meditation centers and i have come to an understanding of a model Mm. that they say you do this is this, this uh, I, uh, yoga asana in this particular order and we have copyrighted it mm. and then you do this particular uh, breathing exercise mm. and they say that you can get moksha that you can get liberation doing this practice mm-hmm. if a depressed person if a sad person a person with anxiety a person who's lost hope in life goes to these organizations and you give them the guarantee you know you give them the guarantee that if you practice this you are going to get liberated mm-hmm. i think that's a false claim yeah. no organization can claim that and and what an example my friend is uh, a really good friend we we both did the ayurveda course together and from ayurveda perspective um, i'm a vata pitta person and she was a complete vata person and at this meditation retreat for one week we both did lots of bhastrika breathing and lots of heart breathing and very fast sun salutations so very vata aggravating very pitta aggravating yeah. exactly so initially i felt good and then i felt acidic i was like okay uh, because i had studied i said okay i'm going to have more buttermilk in the morning and i'm going to not do so many sun salutations and definitely not bhastrika in the evening yeah i could understand yeah i didn't tell her she tells me a few months later that neha i'm going crazy this uh, this kriya this uh, meditation you know i have so much energy i can achieve so much and you know i only sleep 4 hours a day and you know i can do so much on the contrary uh, this is what she's telling me professionally she's fighting with her parents she's fighting with her boyfriend she's just like her relationships are going haywire and she cannot contain her thoughts and she's talking fast and i'm like my dear darling you need to stop doing this thing 
and then you need to modify it to really taper down your excess vata because I think you're going crazy. And she said, Neha, you're right. I'm actually going crazy. And now in this particular organization, thousands of people are going thinking that they're going to get liberation by breathing <laughs> every day. <laughs> you bring them in balance. I understand that they're doing this because people are depressed and sad and they need hope. But yes, there are people who have anxiety. Yeah. You cannot give the same pill to the two different kind of conditions. Well, that's the whole thing about these holistic sciences of ancient India, which are timeless and, um, you know, they're basically timeless, although they come from an ancient tradition, they apply through time and they apply across space, that they're individualized. You know, I have, I have seen camps where, okay, you have depression, you do this type of yoga. You have diabetes, you do this type of yoga. But according to Ayurveda, you may have diabetes for one reason and, you know, X, Y, Z may have diabetes for another reason. And we have to address the root and give them the appropriate, uh, you know, uh, therapy, be it through yoga or Ayurveda or a combination. But the problem is with what I feel, and I'd really like to hear your opinion, with the commercialization of this world, um, which wasn't there in, in the ancient cultures of the world. Um, I feel that, um, like you say, there's a one pill for all system going on. And this is where I feel um, I'd like you to give some ideas to people about how they can choose a practice that will be suitable to them. You know, you can go online and find any Zoom class. You know, you can go to Rishikesh and find any yoga class. How do you know that it's suitable to you, you know? And there's peer pressure. Like, this is really good. This is really good, you know? Uh, you've really asked the right kind of question. Um, but there is no one answer to this. To, um, I'm trained in Hatha Yoga. Hmm. But... I do practice Ashtanga because it's so invigorating. I feel energized. Mm. But does that mean that Ashtanga is better than Hatha? No. Or vice versa? Not at all. So um, yoga and the practice of yoga, asana, when I'm saying, because yoga is much more vast than just asana practice. But right now we are talking about the asana practice. Mm -hmm. I'd say... Um, if you have a particular um, ailment or you need to do yoga for a specific mental uh, illness like a, a depression problem or an anxiety problem or uh, you have obesity or you have severe knee pain, just mentioning a few, it could be anything. Find a teacher, find a module. The teacher will give you a module. Follow it for 30 days, three months. It might feel boring, but follow that module and see if it's working for you. If you're learning yoga for weight loss, are you able to lose weight with that module? Have a check. Now that is your sign if you're doing everything correctly. Yeah. If, if you have a depression or an anxiety problem and you're constantly switching your yoga video, your yoga practice, that is not going to help you. Yeah. 
But what if you're feeling you go to a, 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 a class or a school or for a course or what have you, and you feel that it's not good for you, um, you know, within a few days, and then you switch, and that's not good for you because we have the tendency, you know, yoga, what is the first shloka? Yoga vritti nirodha. Ah, yoga vritti nirodha. The first shloka is at yoga nushasanam. Hmm. Now the practice of yoga begins. Now, yeah, yeah. this moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, if have someone to has to do a course, I say don't just sign up for a course because you have to sign up for a course. Learn the asana first from a teacher who's in your neighborhood, who's accessible to you. Find out from A teacher, B and C what works for you. Find out, experiment with it. Yeah. And also, uh, if you're fine, experiment. And like I was talking about, if you have uh, anxiety and depression, and if you, had, if you have a history of seizure, please take recommendations. Ask in your circle which teacher you should take. Ask in your peers, peer group if someone who has a similar kind of problem and who's experienced a teacher who's helped them. Yeah, And... Uh, Please, please, please do not go to Facebook and ask in a yoga community for recommendation because everyone's marketing. I'm sorry, I'm on Facebook. I also run a business uh, in yoga. But do not go to an online platform for recommendations on uh, Ayurveda and yoga like that. Please ask in your circle first. That is... Um, that's... That's, uh, I know I may sound a little judgmental right now, but if it's not a recommendation, you really don't know where you're going. But you, you know what I would say, and I think this is a prop, uh, uh, I don't know if you've experienced it. I've not studied yoga therapy. Um, well, I have, um, but not formally. Um, I've studied it through my um, yoga Ayurveda Acharya. And... Um, and I've also seen, again, I'm not going to mention any names. I've also seen a lot of yoga therapy being practiced on the basis of the allopathic model. So they're not analyzing the manasic uh, or the sharirika, which means the mind-body um, complex from an Ayurvedic point of view. They're analyzing it in terms of diabetes. Now, what um, modern science calls diabetes, we may call something else in Ayurveda mm -hmm. you know, because it has a different pathogenesis. It's coming mm -hmm. from a different route. Now, I feel that if someone is seeking to relieve an illness, that they should consult with an Ayurveda practitioner you know, or, or a doctor to understand yeah absolutely correct mm. should go to a doctor yeah. take the proper channel do not go online yeah get a recommendation mm -hmm. and then you know when you speak to that ayurveda doctor consult with another doctor get a second opinion because you are suffering from something and right now the world is so commercialized everybody is online selling something projecting something, giving a discount on something. Trust your network. Be in touch with someone. Find someone who you know. Get a recommendation. You're absolutely right. Getting the proper 
diagnosis, the right kind of diagnosis is mm. so important. Mm. And yeah, being a yoga teacher, I have, I've had a student who'd ha- who had a history of schizo, not, not schizophrenia, sorry. Um, seizures. No, no, seizure. Mm. And the person didn't tell me. Sitting mm. in a group class, we were doing Kapalabhati. Kapalabhati is uh, exhaling really fast. <laughs> 15 strokes later, that girl has a a seizure. She's lying down on the mat and she's shivering. And I was confused what to do. I was teaching a group of 20. And I just had to tell her, just lie down and lie down on, just catch your breath, have some water. And please don't do anything else. We need to first, I need to first understand what's happening with you. So yeah, people, people just show up thinking that you're in India, you're in a safe ashram, you're in a good place, but no, you need to really uh, know what's with you, what's wrong with you, what you need to fix and communicate with your Ayurveda teacher and your yoga teacher, the same thing. Yeah, because a lot of people will come into yoga, um, I mean, well and unwell, and in, with regard to the unwell, um, they will come in with a diagnosis from an allopathic doctor. And they will, you know, go to an, a yoga teacher who doesn't have a medical background. And that is, I feel, problematic. because I feel- uh, Not really. Some uh, yoga teachers do have a medical background. Um, there is a proper school of science uh, in yoga. It's called... Uh, masters msc in yoga so Mm. they study the physiology physiological aspect as well as everything homostasis or whatever you call it all of that but do they study from an ayurveda angle or an allopathic angle it's a holistic approach they are doctors they they study human physiology from modern medicine perspective and they apply the knowledge to um in the, in the field of yoga. So just to give you an example, Dr. Deepak Sachdeva, amazing guy. He runs a center in Delhi called Medical Yoga Center. And uh, he does, he claims, and I've studied with him, I've practiced with him. He claims to cure most of the uh, skeletal muscular problems and uh, heart problems with mm. uh, the practice of yoga because he's a medical doctor who studied yoga as well. He's amazing at what he does. Dr. Deepak Sesteva, medical yoga. Mm. If you can just Google that, you'll find him. He's amazing. You know? And these are the rare gems. These are the kind of people who can't promote themselves because they're so busy. They have hundreds of people lined up and you don't find them online. You don't find them promoting themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, maybe I would, I mean, I don't know anything about this particular doctor, but my, my view from my <clears throat> training and my, uh, uh, the wisdom imparted to me through the lineage that I, I'm with, I feel that every yoga teacher needs to have, and it's coming into play more often um, these days, Hmm. needs to have an Ayurveda uh, understanding of the body because Ayurveda and yoga are sisters, you know, they operate, operate through the language of energy, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just about 
you know, categorization of disease. It's about prana. It's about life force. It's about blockages of life force. And, and, and I think that Ayurveda is really an important part of any yoga or teacher's um, program. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't there when I started yoga about 18 years ago, but it is, yeah. it, it is now um, more so. Yeah. But, little right. um, but little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Absolutely. Half, half knowledge is dangerous. Mm. So. And uh, I was just going to add to what you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, that... When you talk about yoga, Ayurveda, uh, healing practices like Suzuk and Reiki and naturopathy, they are all holistic in nature. I mean, you cannot look at yoga, asana practice to cure your depression. I mean, if somebody is guaranteeing that, you're, you're in wrong hands. Yeah. And if an Ayurveda practitioner says, Ayurveda doctor says, okay, you, you change your diet completely and your depression will go away. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You need the treatment, you need the right kind of medicine, the right kind of lifestyle changes, and you need to con- have a discipline of practice of all those things. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, the place where I studied, it was a, a vast course, a one year of uh, yoga course. Um, at a naturopathy hospital Mm -hmm. so you can understand that um, I was interning in a hospital where there were patients getting treatment for diabetes obesity blood pressure eczema and all sorts of diseases and then I'm studying yoga so it was just a beautiful amalgamation of uh, knowledge Um, I don't know if I should say the name of the place. Maybe we can discuss that later and put it up later if you want yeah. to. Yeah. But, but the point that I was coming at is, uh, although Yoga Alliance has put a system to the knowledge of, uh, to the school of yoga, it's great. You come and you study for one month. It's an immersive program. Or if you're, if you're outside India, you can do your teacher training uh, for a longer period of time and you have a core structure to it. Beautiful. That being said, it's not enough. You need to put in time to study. And if you, are, if you, if you have a job and you cannot give in so much time, self-study. You need to get few books on Ayurveda, on naturopathy, mm-hmm. yoga philosophy, yoga asana, yoga sequencing. And just read every day for 20 minutes. And you know with time, you will start to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. But if you... If you are coming uh, to India or maybe some other yoga school in the world thinking that, okay, I'm going to do a one-month TTC and I'm going to be a yoga teacher. Now, those are the wrong kind of teachers, in my opinion. Because you lack the experience. You lack the holistic approach. Yeah? And then you're suddenly an overconfident teacher. You're like, you can do everything. I was a new yoga teacher. I know, okay, this is an honest confession on a podcast. Someone had a cervical and I didn't, and I was a new teacher and I was super confident I can deal with this person because I've studied it. I've studied for one year. I've worked with doctors, Ayurveda doctors and naturopathy doctors. I could do it. But I think, I think I really had hurt that lady. Yeah. She was, we were doing some asana and her neck got froze at the back. 
and I had to assist her to to rest on the bed, and she was giddy for weeks, mm. and I felt so bad. Oh. I have also experienced um, yoga injuries from very long established yoga traditions and long established yoga teachers. Not my mom. Let me tell you, somebody tried to put you in a headstand forcefully. Is that what happened? <laughs> one, <laughs> one of those. And I put with an asana, which is a forward bend, and my back went <sighs> crack. Oh my and, God. And I was so get up off the floor and, and, and carry on and carry on, um, you know, military style. And I was like, but I actually cannot stand up, you know. Oh um, this, this is after, you know, some, this is some way through my training and it's not my yoga master because my yoga master um, would not do such a thing. Um, anyway, but I went, you know, exploring, I went on a yoga shopping trip and, you know, wanted to try this and I wanted to try that, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I agree with you. Um, we're coming towards the end of our, you know, attention time span, not mine or yours, but maybe <laughs> the, the listeners. So um, I just got a couple of more questions. They just came in. Um, okay. One of them, they may not be in order, but one of them was about, you know, yoga, we use the word yoga. There are eight limbs of yoga, right? So the first, you know, yama, niyama. Um, now, yama, niyama, they are about, you know, training the mind, um, you know, uh, basically. They're, they're, they're about training the mind. And, and, and in Ayurveda, one of the first, not, not, not one of the first, if you look at the Ashtanga Ridayam, which is a compilation of the most ancient texts of Ayurveda, it says ragadi rogan, which means that all diseases come from attachment. Okay, so mm -hmm. we're basically addressing the mind as, as a major cause of disease. Yoga mm -hmm. also um, is also addressing the mind first, um, the purpose yeah. of yoga. So nowadays, yeah. you know, like I put up a post the other day, <laughs> I won't go into details, but you know, yoga teachers are not practicing the um i'm not saying that one has to be perfect to teach i'm not a perfect ayurveda example you know um to to teach ayurveda but i'm still teaching but i admit what i am right but now what do you say because a lot of people are ignoring the actual yama niyama the the, the um the ten commandments i call them of life you know the ethical practices of life that is not being taught as far as i see yeah. in most schools um so there are some schools uh, the most popular schools they say yama niyama asana uh, and then there are schools that say asana yama niyama but our texts so, say yeah not all texts say that Patanjali so, Yoga Sutra. Patanjali Yoga Sutra says, Patanjali Yoga Sutra is about philosophy. Um, they say, Yama Niyama Asana. But then Giran Sahita, another mm -hmm. school, yeah. says, um, Asana Yama Niyama. So you have to understand that yoga, um, Patanjali, Patanjali's philosophy became famous uh, because he had compiled all of it. Mm. In, on a scroll all the sutras on a scroll 
and then people started deciphering them and it so happens that you know uh, taking an example of indian mythology there are 14 different kinds of ramayanas and each culture has its own version and there are versions in in which uh, sita was ravana's daughter there are versions where rama and sita were brother and sister not i'm not talking about controversial uh, uh, ramayanas i'm talking about cultural uh, differences uh, and how the story grows differently in each culture likewise the yoga of the north and the yoga of the south and the yoga of the east and the west has developed differently yeah mm. so hiranda was uh, one of the sage he had developed the practice of yoga in the bengal tradition he says asana yama niyama mm. yeah and when you look at the eight limbs of yoga it's not that you first have to have you first have to practice all the yamas the ahimsa uh, the non violence the truthfulness and non stealing and celibacy and you know non holding you if you cannot achieve that then you cannot go on to the next step no no, no. you can do so easily you can just look at it like a flower you can look at all the petals of the flower at the same time you can do a little bit of awareness in yama and a little bit of awareness in niyama and maybe you're not so good at asana but you're good at pranayama and you're really good at uh, meditation mm. so you can you have to practice all of the eight limbs together you know so do not feel that if you're not, if you cannot achieved liberation there are people who have gone into a deep sleep and woken up feeling awake just mm-hmm. like buddha yeah mm-hmm. so you just never know when you're ready and as the philosophy of yoga says it puts everything under the umbrella of the divine mm-hmm. it says it's all a divine play everything is a divine play mm-hmm. so you don't know uh when you're going to open the next door so be on your practice be on your discipline question the practice make your practice better and just hang in there okay that's all i have to say okay i just want to add one little anecdote um, a little story won't take me long but um i i knew of this ayenga yoga teacher who was um very very well renowned and um i won't mention any places because i don't want you to guess who this person is and um she was a student of um ayengar and um she had a student coming to her she was very experienced she had a student coming to her for like 20 years and um he uh wouldn't he didn't stop smoking cigarettes he wasn't a teacher he was a student but he came ardently he woke up at 4:30 he did his own practice then he went to her and did practice and then he went for the restorative yoga in the afternoon and he did everything but he couldn't stop smoking 20 years passed and the teacher said what's going on what am i doing wrong and she went to ayenga and she said what am i doing wrong she said he said it's not you he's not doing his work he's not doing Absolutely. his work um, i think you really concluded the session well mm. that's the it's a good way of putting it yeah
So, um, you know, no judgments, no criticisms, but she was really, really concerned as I would, I would be as well thinking I must be doing something wrong if I go and get a guy to stop smoking, you know, after 20 mm. years of like, you know, he was, he was like a army man, you know, in terms of discipline <laughs> and practice and perfection. And this reminds me of a, one of my recent yoga students, uh, a young girl in her early thirties and a little obese. And we were doing a special weight loss session three times a week and she was really putting in the effort and I told her how to eat and what all to do and then she's like after losing eight kgs around eight kgs is what 15 16 pounds Not after sure losing, yeah, yeah. okay so after losing some eight kgs like I'm not losing any further Neha this is not working out and I'm like okay are you following the diet yes you're working in, you're working very hard in the class yes what's going wrong you tell me i i think if you're eating correctly and working out correctly things should go right and then she's like i think the problem is i think i eat a lot of uh, sugar on the weekends i i eat a big portion of cakes and everything like <laughs> you got the answer <laughs> it comes out like neha yeah. as yeah. a teacher you're not doing well and i'm and I, as a teacher, you know, you're teaching someone, you're helping someone. And when the person is not benefiting, you do feel like something positive and fruitful should happen. And then, yeah. Okay. Everything else is happening. All right. There are millions of questions coming through my brain. My Vata brain is at work. Uh, my Pitta Vata brain is at work, but um, I will not go there right now. And uh, maybe we can do another follow-up. Um, <clears throat> if we'll see how this one interests people. And, um, and I'm very uh, appreciative of you coming and sharing um, with us on this session. And for Thank you so your- much for having me over. This was amazing. And I think this podcast has given me the right kind of uh, channelization to uh, write down my blog. Like I have written it. It's on that board, but I haven't finished writing it. Send it here. So. Send it here. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Once I finish, I will share. I feel a little more organized in my thoughts now. Okay. That's great. That's great. And... Um, thank you very much. And um, yeah, we'll do another session with all the other millions of questions, I hope.